Hello, and welcome to the Ground and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Kayla Estenson-Williams. I'm a Minnesota-based marriage and family therapist, yoga teacher, and I create mental health content to help you ground and grow. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's begin. Hello, and welcome to some more boundary talk that we will do today. In my last episode a couple weeks ago, we talked about some societal myths about boundaries and some challenges to those. So if you haven't listened to that one, it goes well with this one. So I don't think you need to listen to them in order, but a good one to have in mind if you haven't checked that one out yet. And today I will be talking about how we can communicate and hold our boundaries. Um, I left off the last episode on this final myth about sometimes we feel like if someone else doesn't respect or follow my boundary, then obviously my boundary failed. And so I want to start this one off by just reminding you again that our boundaries are for us, right? Often we have a goal, right, that we would like the other person to respect our boundary. Sometimes we want a shift in the other person's behavior when we are communicating a boundary. And so, of course, that is going to be an important goal for us to have in mind in terms of how we're communicating our goal. But the most important part of a boundary is knowing that we get to hold it no matter what. Um, So in this episode, I will talk about how we can communicate boundaries And I will also talk about how we can hold and follow through on our boundaries, no matter what response we get from the other person. So a little bit of both. One piece that I think is really helpful to know with boundaries is that there are a lot of ways we can communicate our boundaries, a lot of ways that we can kind of let others know what our boundaries are, and it's going to vary on the situation, right? It's going to vary on the relationship, It's going to vary on our goal with the boundary. It's going to vary on a ton of different factors. And so it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of practice. And I always recommend if you are new to boundaries or if you're navigating some really big boundaries, it can be super helpful to process this with a therapist or a trusted friend or someone who can kind of be an honest ear to to listen and provide some feedback or advice with Um, because boundaries can be really complicated. It can be really tough. So I think if you're starting off with them, if you're doing a really big one that feels, you know, maybe it hits on some wounds or some tough pieces, it can be helpful to have some people in your circle as you are working on these boundaries. Um, But yeah, so Boundaries can be verbally communicated, and whether or not we verbally communicate the boundary, we can always communicate the boundary with our action, with our follow-through. So I'll talk about kind of both of these situations, boundaries where we want to verbally communicate and make it super clear, and sometimes where we don't even verbally communicate it at all, we just follow through with our action. So we'll start in the ones where we communicate a bit more directly. I think this is often most helpful in our close relationships where we might want some shifts to come with that boundary, right? So let's say it's a partner, a close friend, a family member. Maybe we want them to shift their behavior in some way and how they're 
treating or interacting with us. Maybe we want them to gain some understanding about us, right? There might be some things that we really want to be super clear. In this, I think it's really helpful to look at how am I communicating this boundary as clearly as possible. The great thing about being human is we have the gift of language, so we can communicate these. And so I will talk about a skill that I think is super helpful in boundary communication, and I think it's helpful in a lot of other things where we're just looking for any kind of behavioral change or having any important conversations with people, so this skill will be helpful there, but I think it is a super useful one with boundaries. This skill is called the dear man skill. This might be one you're familiar with because it's a pretty popular therapy skill, but it might also be something that's really new to you. If it's something that's new to you, I'll give you a little information on it. So it comes from Marsha Linehan's dialectical behavioral therapy, which just has so many wonderful, helpful therapy skills in it. And one of them is the dear man skill. If you're familiar with DBT, you're probably familiar with a wide number of different acronyms for skills, and Dear Man is one of them. So I'll go through each of the letters of Dear Man and and talk about how you can practice that. And and if you're kind of getting the gist of it, but you also want more information, the internet has tons of information on the Dear Man skill because it's a super big one in the DBT world. You can look it up. You can probably find lots of helpful videos teaching it, giving examples of it, all of that stuff. I love this skill. I teach it to probably almost all of my clients and people that I work with. It's a great one. I love it myself too. Um, And it's super great with boundaries. So the Dear Man skill is a communication skill. And what it's going to do is it's going to increase the likelihood that the other person is going to hear and understand what we're trying to communicate. So whatever goal it is that we have, we're increasing the chances that it's going to be heard and potentially received well, right? And and just like with all boundaries, the end goal is not necessarily that the other person is going to respond exactly how we want, right? It's okay for that to be a goal. Of course, we're going to have that in mind and want that. But the real goal is for us to communicate as clearly as possible and know that we, you know, stood up for whatever we were needing to communicate and that we can hold that, right? But the nice piece is when we're doing a skillful dear man, it's going to increase the chances. But don't worry, you haven't failed the dear man skill if it's not received well. Again, it can do with a lot of different pieces on the other person's part, right? And it certainly is something that takes some practice for for both parties, for sure. So the G-Man skill, I'll go over each of the letters. I'll kind of talk about what each of the skills are, how you can practice that. And the DEAR is one part. The D-E-A-R is the script part. So that's what we're going to say. The man part is how we say it, right? So things to keep in mind, right? Kind of to prepare for and be attentive to in the moment. And whenever you're doing a dear man, before you even start with a script, I find it so important to pause and check in on what is my goal? What is my objective? What do I want to get out of this? 
You got to be super, super clear on what that is. Sometimes we do a dear man where maybe we don't have a super specific thing we want to come out from it, but we just want to communicate something and maybe initiate a conversation about something with someone. That's totally okay. And there are also a lot of times that we do have a specific goal in mind, but we don't actually communicate it. And then we feel hurt and frustrated that whoever we're communicating with didn't get that point, right? So knowing what your objective is, knowing what your goal is, is huge in practicing Dear Man, right? If they don't know what it is, they're probably not going to be able to respond to that. So we'll start with D, and D is describe. So here, as factually as possible, go over the situation that is related to whatever this this boundary is that you're putting out there, right? And and here, you'll, you'll get space later in the Dear Man to talk about your emotions, your opinions, your perspectives, but here you're just going to stick to facts. Kind of like you're a scientist, like writing out a lab report on exactly what was happening. Put that in here. And it's going to be important to only bring in facts that are relevant to your goal. That's going to be something to keep in mind throughout this whole process. Just focus on what is relevant to the goal. A lot of times our boundaries or things that we are wanting in relationships are going to be related to a lot of different things. And sometimes those things may be relevant and super important to involve in this conversation. But there's a lot of times that it might be sort of related, but not totally related. and might just make the other person feel more defensive. So keep in mind, hey, what is my scope? Right? What are the things that I'm going to touch on in this conversation? And what are the things that I want to leave for a separate conversation? So in your describe, just describe the facts that are pertinent to the situation. Then we get to express. So the E is express. Here's where you talk about your emotions. If there are important opinions you want to share or perspectives you want to share in here, totally a great spot to do that. And with this, I really encourage you to focus on I statements. So I feel blank, right? Not you make me feel this when you do this, right? But more of a hey, when you do this action, I notice that I feel this emotion. So you're owning your emotion. And I think really helpful to even know for yourself and really feel for yourself in this, my emotions are my emotions, right? I'm not bad for having emotions. It's not my fault for having emotions. I'm not at blame for having emotions, but they are my emotions. It's understandable that in any given situation, Someone else might have totally different emotions, right? Like, yes, there are certain actions, right? Like intense abusive situations or something like that. But, right, we can kind of look at it a little bit more on this um, all or none piece, right? Of like, hey, that was an unskillful behavior that, that really needs these amends or different pieces. They're kind of like this, hey, you should have known this was not okay. But a lot of the times we're just talking about things that, hey, I might feel this way about something that happened, the person you're talking to might feel very differently, right? They might not have known that it was something that violated a boundary for you or hurt your feelings or brought up certain emotions. That's okay. So 
So here you're just communicating your own emotions in a way of educating them, right? Letting them know a little bit more about you. Hey, when these actions happen, I feel this way, right? And I think the emotion part, expressing how you feel about something, is super, super important in a dear man. So emotions are a motivating factor, right? For someone to feel motivated to shift or change their behavior or maybe understand more and respect a boundary, it's going to be helpful for them to know how you feel, right? And if we can communicate this skillfully in a way that's going to reduce defenses, they may be able to be grounded enough to hear that and feel some empathy or sympathy for us, right? And, and have some more respect for whatever boundary we're having. It does not mean you did it wrong if they're not having that respect for your boundary, right? So uh, an important reminder to keep bringing in for yourself, but knowing that, hey, if I can communicate this clearly and as skillfully as possible, I'm increasing my chances that they're going to get it, right? So after we've described the situation, expressed how we feel about it, now we bring in our objective. So here's where we assert whatever it is that we want. So we might be being super specific about the boundary we want to hold. Or right, again, we can use dear man in situations that aren't necessarily boundary things, but where we're just asking for different pieces. Here we might be directly asking for whatever that is. But here in the boundary conversation is where we're going to very explicitly state what our boundary is. So it might be, hey, you know, I... Sometimes when we get in <clears throat> arguments, we get really heated. And right, so you might be, you know, describing and asserting what goes on when arguments happen. It gets really heated. It doesn't get so skillful. You might be asserting, hey, I'm going to communicate in these moments that I need a break. Right, so I'm going to take five, ten minutes to cool down. I'm going to ask that you do the same thing before we regroup. And then you're also going to put in, into your assert, how you plan to follow through with that, right? So you might say, this is what I'm going to do when I let you know that I need this break. If you don't join me in that, if you don't also join me in cooling down and coming back when we're a lot more skillful to have this conversation, I'm not going to continue this conversation. So you're communicating this is how I'm going to hold the boundary, whether or not you join me in this boundary, right? So again, boundaries are for us, right? So a lot of times boundaries look like we're asking for some kind of behavior change in the other person, or we're kind of letting them know, hey, this is what my boundary is. This is how you can respect it. And also pair with that, this is how I'm going to respect it regardless. Right? That is such a huge piece of this. After we assert, then we bring in the reinforce. So we kind of let them know, hey, what, what's in it for them or how will this benefit our relationship? A lot of times in boundaries, not, not every time, right? Sometimes we're communicating boundaries where there is going to be more distance in the relationship. There is going to be more space. That's totally okay. So we can just kind of communicate, hey, I will respect you for this, I will appreciate this, and, and we can share these pieces. But there are a lot of times when we're communicating a boundary or something we want, 
And the the reinforcing piece is, hey, if we can work on this together, it's going to strengthen our relationship, right? I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable in our relationship, and then I'm going to feel a lot more connected to you. And here are some positive things that come from that. So reinforcing just shows your appreciation of them hearing you out, following that, what benefits can come from this boundary, right? There doesn't have to be big fireworks or huge things that they get from it. It, again, can just be communicating your appreciation for that. So there is the deer. There's the script part. And I recommend most of the time, like, actually sitting down, writing this out doesn't mean you have to hold that sheet of paper with you and go word for word as you're communicating it. That can be helpful, right? (laughs) If it feels really hard to remember what you need to say, by all means, bring your script with you. Start off by saying, hey, I'm going to communicate something that it's a little tough for me to say, so I've got my script. You know, is it okay if I read off this and just hear me out and then we can talk about it together? Totally fine. But sometimes you might just be scripting it out, practicing it, and then kind of going off the top of your head when you're in the conversation. It doesn't have to go exactly word for word as as you are doing it. You can kind of move these pieces around a little bit or they can be a little more combined. It doesn't have to be super segmented, but it gives you a nice framework. Initially, it can feel kind of tough to go through this as you're practicing it, but as you practice it more, it's going to become easier. And I I joke back when I facilitated DBT groups, you know, I would tell group members, practice this in really simple ways, right? And when I was learning the skill so that I could teach it, I practiced it with my cat, right? About, you know, me requesting my cat not open my cupboards and eat my bread, which is his favorite thing to do. Um, And at the time I had very flimsy cupboards that he could open up. And, And so I would practice it in that way. Obviously, my cat's not actually hearing me. He's not actually going to respect that boundary because, um, you know, that's not his, his language necessarily. But it helped me practice it. And it was a small thing where I wasn't going to feel hurt or disheartened if it didn't go well because I knew, right? It wasn't going to actually have the outcome I wanted. But it helped me get in the flow of the Dear Man script. All right, so practice it. If it's something new and you're wanting to practice Dear Man, like in a really big boundary that you're communicating that feels really scary, start small. Start with some really simple, simple dear mans that are not quite as intense or impactful. So yeah, that's the script part. And now I will talk about the man, which is how we do it. So these are things to keep in mind when you're doing the dear man. And I would say ahead of time, kind of think about, hey, how will these components potentially play out in the situation, right? Sometimes we're communicating a boundary with someone who has also done a lot of their own boundary work. They might have a really easy time hearing boundaries because they've done a lot of their own internal work. They're maybe more likely to pause and let us say what we need to say. They're maybe more likely to stay on task and really communicate with us. It's going to be a lot easier to just naturally have this go skillfully. But if we are communicating a dear man that maybe has a lot of wounds for both parties in it, or maybe we're communicating it with someone who's really new to boundaries and really struggles hearing boundaries, we might have to be super intentional of 
how am I going to stay on topic, right? This other person might take me off. And so I'm going to have to kind of cope ahead for what might come up, what things I want to keep in mind. So as I talk through these, you can kind of think about, all right, if I was coping ahead for an intense dear man, what might I want to be prepared for? So the M in man is to be mindful. So here you want to stay on topic. Again, sometimes our boundaries or things that we're asking for are going to be connected to a lot of different things. Sometimes they'll be relevant and it's okay for them to be part of the conversation. But a lot of times there are going to be things that feel a little bit relevant, maybe just because it's a way that the other person hurt our feelings also, but it might not actually be completely related to the topic we're bringing up. So notice, hey, what might my brain try to pull in, right? Or what might the other person try to pull in that takes us off topic, right? What is our objective? How can I stay connected to that objective? And if, if you notice yourself getting off topic in the middle of a dear man, or whoever you're talking to brings up other things, right? Maybe kind of attacks back. You know, pause and say, hey, that sounds like a really important conversation. Like, I I think we should schedule a time to have that conversation. And first, I want to finish this one, right? So let's, let's get through this boundary or this thing that I'm requesting. And then let's, let's pick another time to have that other conversation because that feels important too, right? So there's time for all the conversations. Um, But when they all happen at once, that's where we (laughs) get very sidetracked, where we make no progress, we end up going in circles, right? So staying mindful means we're staying on topic. Here, I think it can be helpful, especially if you're going into a dear man that you suspect might get a little bit more heated or more intense. Pick a broken record statement that you're going to bring into the conversation, right? So that, again, might just be, yes, that's another important conversation I'd love to have. And right now I want to stick to this objective, right? And so you might repeat that kind of like a broken record throughout that conversation, which can be a little frustrating. But when we just stick to that, rather than kind of exploding or getting really upset or heated, we're maybe going to be more likely to be heard, right? And then if you notice, gosh, this whole time I'm just broken recording this one statement and they are not hearing it. That's our indication to know we're not going anywhere right now. So we can let them know another boundary. Hey, I see this conversation isn't going so skillfully. I don't think we're going to get where we need to get in this. So let's take a break. Let's take a pause. And and let's find another time to come back to this. So you don't have to stick with a conversation that's going nowhere. You can have a boundary and say, I'm going to opt out of this conversation. And then you follow that through with your action. They can continue trying to have the conversation if they want. You do not have to continue, right? I think it's helpful to communicate. I'm not going to continue this conversation anymore. Maybe you list out the reasons why and what you're going to need to come back to the conversation. And then you opt out of that conversation. Sometimes easier, sometimes a lot more challenging. Another piece that takes practice. So there's mindful Stay mindful of the goal. Stay on topic. The A is appearing confident. So 
sometimes if boundaries are something that's new for us, we might feel really insecure about setting those. We might be feeling guilty or shameful or a whole bunch of different things that, you know, if kind of on that last episode that I went through, there's a lot of things that make us feel like boundaries are a bad thing, right? So we can feel really insecure having boundary conversations. So you don't have to be confident, right? The only way you become confident in boundaries is by practicing them. So initially, you're probably not going to feel confident. But kind of bringing in this place of how can I appear confident? And that doesn't necessarily mean fake it and be inauthentic. It's totally okay in a boundary conversation to say, hey, I'm a little nervous to say this, right? I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. This is something new for me. Um, but I would appreciate if you'd hear me out, right? It's, it's okay to own that we're feeling uncomfortable, but also coming in prepared for ourselves of what is my why, right? Why is this important for me? Trying to challenge our boundary myths that might come up, bringing in some maybe affirmations that help us feel a little bit more confident in why we're doing this for ourselves, right? And when we can channel that as much as possible, we might be more likely to be heard. If we're talking really quietly or if we're looking down at our feet the whole time or if we're kind of letting sentences go and saying, oh, never mind, never mind, it's not a big deal. If our insecurity is making it so we can't actually communicate our boundary, our boundary is probably not going to be heard. So the confident part is like, hey, what can I do to appear confident enough to get my part out? Right? Doesn't mean I have to be confident. Doesn't mean the other person has to think I'm super confident in this. But bringing in enough confidence to communicate what I need. Right? Another thing that takes a lot of practice. And the last part of the man is N for negotiate. I always say this one negotiate is is going to be very different based on the circumstance. So most of the time, you're going to have your negotiate in your back pocket, right? If you are communicating to your boss a boundary around work time, around the holidays or something, you might know in the back of your mind, hey, you know what, I'm comfortable working this amount of days over the holiday, but I'd really like to work fewer, Right, I'd like to have more time off, but I'm comfortable adding in a couple extra days you know, that, that I would also like off, but I'm okay working. Don't throw that out at first. right? Don't let them know, hey, I want five days off over the holidays, but I'm okay if I just get three. Your boss can be like, okay, great, you get three. So have that in your back pocket. Ask for five if they push back. Then you may consider throwing out, hey, I'm okay with just the three. These are the days I would like. Right? There are also going to be times where you might say, hey, I actually am going to put my negotiate in right away because I want to let this other person know that this is the way that I'm comfortable doing. It's, it's not necessarily so much going to be in boundary conversations. Boundary conversations, we might be a little bit more firm on what we want. But if you're doing a dear man to ask a coworker to cover a shift, you might right off the bat say, hey, are there any shifts that you need covered? I'd be happy to swap. Right? You might feel comfortable throwing that out right away. Um, it, it's going to be a little different in some boundary conversations. There's going to be some that are hard and fast, and there's no room for negotiation. 
right? So for example, if you're doing the boundary conversation of, hey, when we start screaming in an argument, I'm going to take a break. And when I take this break, I'm not going to come back to the conversation until we're both more grounded. You probably are not going to have much wiggle room there. You're not going to say, okay, well, if we just bring our screaming down like two decibels, okay, fine, I'll, I'll rejoin the conversation. Now, you know that it's just going to go right back up, right? So you're going to say, I need us to feel really comfortable and grounded before we rejoin this conversation. No wiggle room here. Right, So the negotiate is definitely going to depend on the situation. But I say, think of that ahead of time. Think about what negotiate am I comfortable with and what negotiate am I not comfortable with? Because in the heat of the moment, it might be really hard to think through, hey, what am I comfortable with? What am I not comfortable with? So have that kind of decided ahead of time. So that is the dear man. So the script is the dear part. The man is how you do it, right? Kind of what what you're being attentive to in the moment. And yeah, I think the dear man is really, really helpful in boundary communication. And I think it's really helpful in a lot of communication that we have. Um, Just to kind of think about these different components. Okay, yeah, I want to describe what situation is coming up and what my emotions are with it and what I want out of this. And also reinforce that a bit so that there's this kind of shared joining that can be a part of it. Um, This can be useful in super simple conversations. I think those are the best ones to like start practicing with because we're more likely to get a win from it. Um, We can use a dear man when we are expressing that we want to plan a date with someone, right? And, you know, if it's someone that is dating us and wants to go on dates with us, it's more likely to have this positive response. And then it's like, oh, cool. I got some practice in with this. It felt really good and connecting in my relationship. And great. Now it's a little bit easier for me to use in a tough situation. So that is one way that we can directly communicate verbally what our boundary is, right? And Now we'll get to kind of how we can communicate our boundary through action and where the verbalizing of a boundary can sometimes be helpful in boundaries, but not always, right? Sometimes we don't have to verbally communicate a boundary. A piece that we always want in our boundaries is our own action and follow through. Sometimes we don't need to do it, right? Sometimes we communicate a boundary It's heard, it's respected, it's followed. We might not need to follow through with the action. But a lot of the times, even if someone else is trying to join us in it, a lot of the times that action part is something we have to connect to. So this action piece is going to actually be helpful in all circumstances of boundaries, but now I'm going to kind of shift over to situations where We might not verbally communicate a boundary, but we're going to communicate it through our action, through our follow-through. So I think whenever we're also doing this, kind of as if you were preparing a dear man, pause for a moment, check in with, what is my intention? What's the objective here? What boundary do I want? 
And what does that require of me? What action comes here? And anything that just helps us to know, all right, how am I going to follow and respect my own boundary? How am I going to respect myself through my actions? And I think this section of boundaries that we do where we just communicate through action, but we don't verbally communicate it can also be helpful in a wide variety of situations. So for example, maybe we're going to hold a boundary with someone that's like a stranger or someone we don't really know. It doesn't really matter to us if they know what boundary we're having or not. We might not have any like desire for them to change their behavior or maybe it's not worth engaging in a conversation for that. For example, let's say you're at a coffee shop and you're trying to get some work done, but the person sitting next to you is talking on their phone really loudly. Sure, it it could be totally acceptable to ask them to, you know, bring their voice down if if it's kind of a abnormal in that environment, right? If it's more of a quiet coffee shop or something, we might communicate it. That's okay. And we might also choose, you know what? This is a person I'm probably not going to interact with again. And maybe in this coffee shop, it's okay for them to be talking, right? Like that's totally fine, but it's violating my boundary because I'm wanting some peace and quiet to get this work done. So you might move to a different section of the coffee shop. You might choose to leave and go to a different place to get your work done, right? So you are going to say, hey, my goal, my objective here is to be in a quiet space, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's going to involve someone else changing their behavior, but there are also going to be times where it's just us changing our behavior, saying, okay, I'm going to shift to a different place so I can find that environment that I need, right? There might also be other times where we don't verbally communicate a boundary, even with someone that is closer to us that we're going to interact with again, but it's just about something that's either smaller Or maybe it's something that doesn't really require any behavioral change from the other person. So this, for example, could be if I'm choosing, this is certainly something that I've done before, right? If I'm choosing to say, hey, I don't want to be so reliant and impulsive on my phone, right? Because a lot of times, you know, especially years before, if I get a text or a message I felt like I had to respond to it right away. I've got to be a good friend, a good person, and show up and interact right away. But that wasn't really serving me. It wasn't actually helping me be a better friend when I look at my actual values of friendships. And so knowing that, hey, if there's times of the day that I want a little peace to myself, where I'm not interacting with anyone else, where I'm practicing some self-care, I'm just not going to answer my phone right away. I'm not going to respond to text messages right away. And and yes, there might be flexibility in that. If there's some emergency, obviously, I'm not going to say, oh, sorry, you're going to the hospital, mom. Like, I, I'm taking me time, right? I might say, nope, this is a situation where, yes, I'm going to answer my phone and respond. Um, but if it's just someone trying to make plans for the weekend or talking about something that happened that day, I might say, you know, I'll get to this later. I'm going to take some time to myself. It can totally be something you communicate. You could totally respond and say, hey, I'm taking me time for this evening. I'll get back to you later. It is still okay to verbally communicate it. 
but you don't have to, right? That's you, you know, haven't signed this contract most likely, right? You most likely haven't signed a contract that says, I will respond to you within this amount of time, right? Yes, you might have some kind of basic relationship rules where it's like, okay, I'm not going to leave you on red for days on end or something. For some people, that might be totally fine, but some relationships that might not feel great. But you're allowed to take a few hours of me time when you need that without having to justify or communicate it if you don't want to. All right, so that can, might be something where you just hold the boundary by doing your thing, where you might not actually verbally communicate it, and that's okay. And the final, I mean, I'm sure there's more reasons where we may hold a boundary just through action without verbally communicating it. But one other main one that I can think of is maybe we have a boundary that we've communicated clearly in the past. We might have done many dear mans before, right? We might have be very clear that, hey, this other person knows what my boundary is. They continue to violate it and disrespect me. You're allowed to just follow through with action without verbally communicating it. And I think sometimes this might look like um, kind of fading out how we're verbalizing it, right? So let's say it's a situation where it's a closer person in our life, um, where we feel comfortable enough to explicitly communicate what we're feeling and what we need. We've done the dear man. It was disrespected. We might increase the intensity and kind of remind them, hey, again, here's that conversation we had. I just want to remind you of how I'm going to follow through with this boundary if you continue to disrespect it, right? Let's say they continue to disrespect it. You might increase the intensity again, be even more firm, but eventually you're going to get to a point where it's like, you know what? If if you wanted to hear this, if you were willing to hear this, you would have heard it by now. So I'm not going to continue broken recording this all dang dang day. Um, And so here I am just holding it, right? And you don't have to communicate that each time, right? Let's say they um, send really painful text messages to you or, or kind of bomb you with hate or different pieces. And let's say you've communicated a boundary of, hey, when you communicate with me like that, I'm not going to respond, right? And you might have increase the intensity, really let them know, eventually you're going to get to the point where you just don't respond to those kinds of messages, right? Where you see those messages come in on your phone and you just ignore, you don't engage in conversation. It may eventually get to a point where you block that person or different pieces, right? So there's a lot of different ways that you can follow through with your action and you're saying, you know what? I've communicated this as clearly as I can. We've tried to do that. I'm no longer going to verbally communicate this boundary, right? I'm just going to communicate it by holding it. And I think that is often the hardest part of boundaries, right? Certainly verbally communicating it, figuring out how we want to do that, figuring out what our boundaries are in the first place, like that is all challenging. But what I find for myself, for my clients, people I work with, my friends, whenever I'm talking with them about boundaries, Sometimes the hardest thing is following through with action. And I think it's important to really look at that as this is me respecting my boundary. If I feel disrespected by someone not 
following through on my boundary or respecting my boundary for me, that doesn't mean my boundary is gone. I still get to respect my boundary. I'm not being mean or a bad person or a bad friend by following through with my boundary. In fact, you're probably being super skillful for yourself and and for the other. I think when we hold boundaries, we are giving this other person this gift of kind of learning, right? Learning and behavior when, you know, for example, if someone were to communicate a boundary to me and I wasn't respecting it, it would be helpful for me to learn about boundaries by seeing them hold that boundary, right? It might take me some time to actually learn the lesson from that or what I need from it. But when we hold boundaries for other people, we give this opportunity for them to learn something about relationships too, right? So they're good for us. They're good for our relationships. They're good for other people. Boundaries are wonderful. They take a lot of practice. They can take a lot of therapy or, you know, unlearning in our own work. And we're not always going to get it right, right? Sometimes we're going to be too easy with our boundary communication. Sometimes we maybe go too intense because we're really trying to pull it in, right? Like we're not going to hit the mark every time. There's going to be sometimes that you communicate a boundary and you're like, ooh, I didn't do that so skillfully. That's okay. That's practice, right? You make progress when you continue to practice. And because you're human, you're probably never going to get there where it's perfect 100% of the time. But I can speak from experience as a person who previously really struggled with people-pleasing and perfectionism. Sometimes still do, but working on it. Um, But I, I used to really, really, really struggle with boundary communication and holding boundaries and allowing myself to have boundaries. I've had years of practice, and it is not perfect, right? It it is not exactly where I want it to be. It probably never will be. But gosh, I feel so much more comfortable with boundaries than I did five or 10 years ago, right? It's, It's amazingly different and feels really wonderful. And so just a little like nugget there for those of you who are new to boundaries where this feels really scary and uncomfortable, you can get there with practice, with support, with help. You can get there. It takes some time, it takes a lot of work, and you get to be proud of yourself for that work even when it doesn't go flawlessly, right? So that's, um, certainly there's so much more that comes with boundaries than just this um, episode or the last episode, or again, I did boundaries for those of us that struggle with people-pleasing a long time ago. You can probably scroll through and find that for some other little tidbits. I don't remember exactly what was in there, but probably some good nuggets, Um Boundaries is a really huge topic, so this is kind of just a little foundation to get started with. Obviously, all of us are unique. All of our boundaries are unique, so again, doing some of your own work with it, unpacking some pieces is going to be where you get the most help through it, but here are just some pieces about how we can communicate our boundaries, how we can hold our boundaries, and then you practice it. So thank you so much for joining. I hope some of this was helpful. Um, If you have any upcoming holiday plans, um, you know, later in this month or, you know, in the new year, I hope those go well. I hope you're allowed to honor your boundaries. I hope you allow yourself to honor your boundaries. I hope, um, yeah, you can really bring those in because I think those boundaries around the holidays, 
make the holidays feel a lot nicer for ourselves, right? So if you have any things coming up, keep boundaries in mind. And I will look forward to talking with you in the new year. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If I referenced any links in this episode, you can find them below in the show notes. If you like the Ground and Grow podcast, I would greatly appreciate a rate and review from wherever you're listening so that others can find us too. If you'd like to be the first to know when new episodes are coming out, you can subscribe as well as follow me on Instagram at Kayla Estenson Wellness for all updates. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.